I don't often talk about things that are in the news. I usually just answer your questions. But this week, I came across an article that was just so unbelievable to me that I thought, I need to make this into a video because I know that there are people in my audience who could potentially fall victim to something just like this. I'm David C. Barnett, and you're tuned in to Small Business and Dealmaking, the podcast, YouTube channel, and blog where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses while controlling risk. So if you're looking to take control of your future through buying a business one day, or if you already own a business and you're looking to grow or exit, you've come to the right place. I talk about interesting things, I talk to interesting people, and I answer your questions every week right here. So be sure to hit like and be sure to hit subscribe, and let's get to it. Hey everyone, I was cruising through Twitter and I happened to come across an interesting bit of news that a lot of people were commenting and talking about. And when I opened up the article and started to read it, I realized, hey, there are actually a lot of parallels and similarities here to things that I have seen in the online world of YouTube and podcasts and everything that have to do with small and medium-sized businesses. And so I thought I should do a video on this because if I can help one person avoid falling into a similar kind of trap, um, then it will certainly be worth my time. So let me let me take a look here and I'm going to share on my screen. This is um, a news article that was covered by the CBC and this whole story largely takes place in Saskatchewan, in the city of Saskatoon. And so it opens up, opens up by saying that a real estate company has collapsed, 500 homes are affected and 10 million from investors across Canada has gone missing. And a, a judge has assigned a special investigator to look at what happened in the collapse. And there's a picture here of a very dilapidated old house on Avenue L, which doesn't look like a very prosperous part of Saskatoon. But it, it, the story opens up here by talking about Carolina or Carolina, who actually invested in, in this business and, and says the Vancouver biomedical scientist. So first things first. Anyone who is a biomedical scientist is probably a very high IQ person. And unfortunately, I've run into, over the course of my career, many high IQ people who have fallen victims to things just like this. So if you're a very smart listener of mine, pay attention, okay? Um, she's one of about 120 in investors who gave unsecured loans of between fifty dollars and $500,000 to the Epic Alliance group of companies in Saskatoon. She says, I heard about Epic Alliance with real estate investment groups. They were really everywhere, she said. Excellent reviews from anybody that invested with them, big or small. Real estate investment groups, podcasts, webinars, they were everywhere. Now, this is a really important line in the story. Why? Because I listen to a lot of business podcasts myself because I'm in the world of talking about business. And I've, I've been on a lot of podcasts. And as you know, maybe you came into my audience because you heard me on another podcast. Now, I have mentioned this before, but I haven't mentioned it in a while. Um, there are podcasts with very large audiences. And when I approach them to talk about being on their show, to discuss buying, selling, financing, managing small and medium-sized businesses, I'm immediately met with um, a fee schedule. Oh, you want to be on my podcast? It's $5,000 or $8,000 or $10,000. So what a lot of listeners don't understand when they're tuning into these kinds of media uh, online is that 
what they believe is a news or information or educational kind of session is actually a sales pitch. And the person that they're tuning into that, that they follow, that they enjoy is actually benefiting in some way from the person who's appearing on the show. And so she says, well, it seemed to make financial sense. She said that she fell hard for the company's origin story. Um, I'm going to put a link here in the video to a really great video by a guy named Mike Winnett over in the UK called The Contrepreneur Formula, if I can find it. I know he's had trouble keeping it up because online con artists keep getting it pulled down. But one of the elements that Mike references in The Contrepreneur Formula is that there is often a hardship backstory or some kind of um, you know, tale of, of overcoming adversity that helps to set up credibility in the minds of the audience when people are kind of explaining what, what is happening. And so it says here, the story behind the company was great. Try to help investors with their investments while providing affordable housing in Saskatoon. I like the fact that they were women and that they were promoting trades for women. So two elements here. Number one, a feel-good story. Number two, um, this actually has elements of an affinity group scam. So what is an affinity group scam? Well, Bernie Madoff, right? So uh, Bernie Madoff targeted people from within his own religious community in New York City, and people trusted him because of the congregations that he was a part of, right? And in this case, they're using a much broader group, which of course are women. So, um, so this is one of the things that this investor zeroed in on. She wanted to do something to help other women, and she thought that they were doing a great job by helping women get into trades. It says the Epic Alliance group of companies shut down its operation at the end of January, and they just held a Zoom meeting where they declared that they're bankrupt and everything is gone. There's a picture here of the two women that operate it. Um, the next section is called Blindside, and it says that the news of this collapse went off like a bombshell within the real estate business community. Investors wanted to know what happened to their money. Um, and so there were 504 properties that were affected. And they were doing a couple of different things. They owned rental properties that they were managing. They would buy properties on behalf of other people, flip them and sell them to investors and then manage them as rentals um, and uh, some other things. So let me, get in, let me get into the story here. They would have, through, through its network of companies, Epic acted as landlord and property manager for more than 400 rentals in Saskatoon's core neighborhoods including some of the downtown neighborhoods that I, I don't really know. But they there's an image here from one of their videos where they have a fund to flip, hassle-free landlord program, and fund to flip investor. So it managed these homes for outer province investors through its hassle-free landlord program. And these investors were primarily in British Columbia and Ontario. I can bet you that with the increase in prices in real estate in Ontario and British Columbia, that some of these people probably took home equity lines of credit against their inflated home prices to invest in this program. And now they're left with the debt, even though the money is gone. Um, now they are suddenly long distance landlords responsible for the properties. Two former Epic employees say that as many as half of these homes are vacant. So they're able to show that they're, they're doing a lot, that they have a lot of properties under control, but, but the properties are empty. They're not generating any kind of rental income. Many are boarded up and in dire shape. The, the fear in the local real estate community is that they might all get dumped onto the market. Um, the realtor comments here that they're not really seeing evidence of this yet. Um, and then 
It talks about the Quartaqueen bench. It says in a separate development, Quartaqueen bench, which is like the high court in Saskatchewan, um, Justice Allison Rotherby assigned the accounting firm of Ernst & Young to investigate what happened to the estimated 10 to 20 million from the 120 investors placed with Epic. The company was not licensed to sell investments or offer financial advice, but they still went online every week and had an hour-long podcast and they appeared on other podcasts and people signed up and handed over money to invest, okay? And the investors apparently didn't check the status of whether or not these people were registered to be selling private placement investments or anything like that. Um, and in fact, in October 21st, 2021, the Saskatchewan uh, Consumer Affairs Authority issued a cease trading order to the company. Um, and then and then it was um, in November, they held a hearing to consider extending the order. And at the time, declarations and support letters for Epic said that they indicated that the temporary cease trade order was negatively impacting Epic Alliance's business. I bet it was. They weren't able to bring in any more investor money. And the order was lifted November 16th. Um, Saskatoon lawyer Mike Russell represented 120 investors. They applied to have the special investigator appointed. Uh, when asked by CBC to describe what happened with the company and its various programs, the lawyer replied that it was an epic fail. So, I, you know, that's great. Here, how it worked. Let's get into the nitty gritty, okay? The investigators are due to present their fundings, findings shortly in April. Until then, a partial picture has emerged from all of the online content that the women had published um, and some court documents. So the CBC reached out to the two women. They didn't reply to any kind of uh, commentary or questions, but the reporters went through all of the documentation online. And it soon, uh, it, the, so the two of them started in 2013. They, their business evolved into a web of named and numbered companies, including Epic Alliance Real Estate, Epic Alliance Electrical, Epic Accounting, Bookkeeping, Epic Holdings. There were 118 employees in these businesses. They created these three different programs, which we mentioned. Russell, the lawyer uh, representing the investors, detailed a law brief supporting the application, how it appeared the three epic offerings overlapped and worked together. His analysis of these relationships is supported by the online promotional material. The company built up its 10, now listen very carefully. The company built up its $10 million pool of capital over eight years by enticing people to give epic between 50 and 500,000 in exchange for a promissory note. The single page notes of which multiple examples were provided in affidavits were models of simplicity. They featured the loan amount, when the term began and ended and the interest rate. So, you know, these two convinced people to hand over 50 grand in exchange for one piece of paper. Listen to this, the rate of return varied from 15 to 20%. Now, if you know anything about real estate investing, and I used to own rental properties, one of the key reasons you get into real estate investing is because of leverage of bank debt. So if you can borrow money cheaply, and let's say you can buy a property that yields a 5% cap rate or a 5% return on um, of cash flow from its purchase price, but you can borrow at the bank for 3%, you borrow as much as you can because that extra 2% spread ends up being a return on the equity. It grows your equity return. But when you're paying 15 to 20%, you know, for your money, the cost of capital is just too high. You could do that very short term if you were going to flip a property over the course of 90 days, for example, and, and you could do a, a very well, but you can't keep paying this kind of interest rate 
and expect to have a rate of return from something like real estate, where the rates of return tend to be now, especially with the price increases over the last few years, the rate of return is quite low. Um, it says you have a pool of unsecured funds that can be used for whatever. There's no specific purpose given for those funds when they're loaned. So the fund to flip program had investors buying homes through Epic, doing improvements, upgrades, and selling for a profit. The company's promotional material suggested a 10% return on a one-year investment. Finally, Russell said the hassle-free landlord program had investors mostly out of province buying homes acquired by the Epic through the fund to flip program. The investor took out the mortgage and took the Epic and Epic took responsibility for everything from finding tenants to maintaining the property. It offered the investor a 15% guaranteed rate of return. The promissory note program is what attracted the attention of the government regulator. Okay. The order stated, um, that Epic had given information and advice on how to invest in securities, including real estate investments and promissory notes without, without ever having registered as a dealer or advisor. Russell said he first became curious about when the FCCAA, that's the Con Consumer Protection Branch, issued the order in October. And he said, I couldn't figure out how the products they were offering made sense together. And then, um, I want to skip down here because it's more, talking more about the the conversation, but but here's the the other part that kind of shines the light on things. Um, Adam Elliott began working at Epic in August of 2020 after being a property manager in Saskatoon since 2011. So he's an experienced operator. He filed an affidavit in support of the court application to appoint an investigator. Elliott says he spotted red flags on his second day at Epic. And this is his quote, generally speaking, residential property management works off fairly high occupancy rates. You need to have 70 or 80% occupancy to make your business make sense, which is totally obvious to me, anyone, I think. If you don't have your properties full, how are you making money in the rental business, right? They were running close to 50% or lower, which is unsustainable if you actually want to make money. Further, the company used rent projections that Elliot considered out of step with the realities of the homes at their, and their locations. Elliot says his epiphany on how the company thrived for eight years came when he spoke with his fellow workers. I was like, oh, we're an investment company? I realized that most of the business, like the way the company was keeping afloat, was through investors. The company was able to pay investors a high rate of return, even with low occupancy rates, and unrealistic rent projections by continually bringing in new investors and fresh money. So when my, when new money comes in to be pay the former investors, that is the definition of a Ponzi scheme. Okay. Um, Linda um, Linda Ranks, another insider, was a receptionist, uh, moved into administration and the property management side. Like Elliot, she filed an affidavit and also struggled to see how the company could make good on its financial promises. The money didn't add up, she said. I couldn't figure out where they would be getting that much money, especially if 60% of the properties were vacant and not even able to be rented because so much work needed to be done. And uh, she reached a similar conclusion as Elliot. There were always more investors and more properties, and that's how they continued to get money, she reiterated. So, and then it talks about the final video that was put up where they they close everything down. But... I want to I want to wrap that up because we can all see that obviously people were drawn into this and what what I feel from reading this news article is part of their ability 
to be able to create such a large Ponzi scheme was the fact that they were in Saskatoon. So if you look up a map of Canada, um, you know, big population centers, Toronto and Vancouver, which also have huge run-ups in property prices, people's homes have gone up in value tremendously and people are feeling wealthy because of that, right? They can get easy access to credit through home equity lines of credit. And they start to think, what can I do with this money? People who aren't traditionally investors or business people start to explore other new and different ideas of how they can make money, big returns, right? And so they go online, they start looking at things like real estate investing, which is a legitimate way to invest money, right? And they start to listen to these real estate podcasts and they start to hear these people being interviewed over and over. They get on their email list. Maybe they start to watch this epic hour every week where they're learning about these high rates of return. Other people who got in before them have nothing but good things to say because they are getting the rates of return that they were promised, not knowing fully that it's simply money being taken from new investors and given to the old investors, right? And so they confidently borrow against their properties probably, and they they fork it over because no real experienced investor would have done this kind of deal with a one-page promissory note, which was basically just a blank check. Here's my money. Give me the piece of paper, right? An experienced business person wouldn't do that. These are people who are learning about it. They don't quite know much about it, and they're drawn in by greed, their own desire to earn 15 to 20% rate of return from long-term rental real estate, you know, it, where that is an unrealistically high rate of return in most markets right now, right? And I would bet you most of these investors never made the trip to Saskatoon because if they had made the trip to Saskatoon and asked you know, the property manager, Mr. Elliott here, for a tour of the properties, you would probably pretty quickly understand that there was a problem. A bunch of dumpy houses that weren't even rented out, obviously there's a problem with this. So why did I want to share this with you? Well, there are all kinds of people that reach out to me because they're asking me questions or they're commenting on other stuff they've seen online where people are making big promises about success in business or how you're an idiot if you're not out there trying to buy a business and there's the biggest transfer of wealth that's ever been seen and, you know, as baby boomers sell businesses and you need to get out there and you need to do a deal. It's very, very enticing for people, especially people who don't have a business or financial background who may not understand if something on the surface just doesn't seem to make sense. Okay. And that's why I wanted to bring this article about was because I know that some of these people who are sort of new into the world of business do stumble across my channel, my content as well. And I wanted to show this as an example of something that can happen when people get into business over their head and, and, and do things without fully investigating. I would imagine that with such an array of different entities, even if somebody asked for a set of financial statements from the entity they believe they were making a loan to, they probably would have seen something that was probably pretty good looking. I don't know. I haven't seen the financial statements, but a real investigation into how these kind of rates of return could be possible would probably start to reveal some of the issues that were ultimately revealed by these insiders who made these statements. Anyway, thank you for watching. I wanted to cover this just to let you know that this stuff is out there. It's dangerous. People get caught up in it. And in this case, people have lost 
a lot of money and it's probably going to have a huge impact on some of these investors. And with that, if you've seen something like this or if you've come across something like this in the small business space, leave a comment down below on the YouTube channel uh, because I'm sure that other viewers would love to take a look at some of your experiences, whether good or bad, with anyone else out there talking about this kind of thing. So how can you learn more about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses? Easy. Head over to my blog site, 